the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome, everybody. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Great to be with you today for Hour 2 of our SoCal Live program all over Southern California, 99.5 FM in Los Angeles and surrounding areas. We're in San Diego on KPRZ, 1210 AM, 106.1 FM if you are North County, San Diego. Everywhere else, 99.5 FM, or you might be on your Alexa machine your internet machine. Thank you for joining us wherever you might be. We're here to talk about the issues of the day. We do it through a Christian perspective and talk about those kinds of things. I had to get gas this morning, $125.98. And it would have been more expensive, but the pump shut off because it was right at 20 gallons. I don't know how many gallons the tank actually holds, but it was very empty. Uh, My lovely wife, Christy, says to me this morning, as has happened many times in our life, you might have enough gas to get my van to the gas station. Would you go fill it up before I have to go to work? Yes, dear, I will do that. And my wife is, uh, she's very good at this. She's very good at somehow mentally measuring uh, how much gas is left in the tank. Do you have people in your life like that? She's very good at it. One time we were still dating and she was out of gas and uh, it was after church and we walked out to her car after church. We were gonna go to lunch or something. And uh, she looks at me and she goes, I don't have enough gas to get to the gas station. Now, the gas station was like two blocks away, three blocks away. It was just not far away at all. And I'm thinking, ah, there's probably enough to get over there. And sure enough, we drove about a block. That was it. That's as far as we got. She knew exactly how much gas was in that. And that was before you have the little gauge, by the way, that gets down and tells you you have zero miles left. You know, the trouble is you can still drive around a little bit when it says you have zero miles left. I've learned that. Um, and that's the way it was. Luckily it broke down in front of uh, a friend's house and we just went in there and had lunch with them. And then uh, they had a gas can and we walked by we, I mean, I think we, me, I walked to the gas station, got a, got some gas, $125. That's uh, inflation for you. Um, are you getting an electric car? Do you have an electric car? You know, is it something that's even possibly affordable and bugged a little bit by all the, the pressure for it? Um, because it's, you got to be able to afford it. It's not like you can just go out and get an electric car, you know, like you're going to go. That's the weird thing, right? The Teslas are at the mall. There's another electric car company that's at the mall now, which I laugh about. You kind of go in there and you go to the mall and you do your shopping, you buy some clothes, you know, you, you buy a Cinnabon and you're full of regrets. So you have to leave and you get out to the parking lot and you say, oh, I'm sorry. I got to go back in. I forgot to pick up a Tesla. You, you can't, you know, just how do you do that? Um, but when you're paying $125 a gallon, if you, if you travel a lot, you know, when does it become worth it? And is it worth it? Do you have any thoughts about this? And is it an environmental concern? Should we be doing that? 888-528-2557, by the way, is our phone number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557 is the number. Of course, inflation is... Uh, hitting our our country and each one of us very, very big. And it's not the first time I was reminded about, uh, and it is sounding like we are at a time that is sounding like late 70s, early 80s. It just is. It's eerily familiar. Saturday Night Live 
used to have sketches about it, and uh, they're hilarious. Dan Aykroyd would play uh, Jimmy Carter. The political sketches on Saturday Night Live, the last several years, they're not very funny. Um, but they used to be fantastic, and they would kind of treat, you know, they're probably left-leaning, but they would really treat both sides the same way. Uh, here's a clip. This is uh, Dan Aykroyd as Jimmy Carter, President Carter. President? President Jimmy Carter. Uh, explaining, doing a, a, he called it a fireside chat, but it's really a plant-side chat because it was springtime. Uh, explaining inflation to the country and what we should do about it. Play clip four. Inflation is our nation's number one problem, yet most people don't even understand it. But it's really quite simple. Inflation is caused by too many dollars chasing too few goods. Now, the easiest way to get money out of circulation is to maintain high unemployment so people won't have jobs or money to spend. This is a program my administration has actively pursued. Yet inflation continues to rise. And so tonight, I'm proposing a new program, one which will call on all Americans to sacrifice once again, but which will, however, have immediate effect. I'm asking each and every American to take 8% of your money and burn it. <laughs> I'm just, I've been laughing about that all day because that's what we're doing. We have 8.6% inflation, and it's the same as taking 8% of your money and just burning it. Well, that's what it is. And I also noticed that in these comedy sketches, there's a whole bunch of them because inflation was the big deal for President Carter, uh, one of the big deals. Uh, you know how simply he explained that, you know, that, uh, the problem is too many dollars in the economy chasing after too few goods. We seem to not know that today. It's the Putin price hike. It's all these other things to blame. It's not the trillions and trillions of dollars we printed over the last several years uh, blowing our national debt out of the water. can't be that. It can't be just the simple idea of lowering the rate to nothing and and pumping the economy full of money that's not attached to any goods or services. No, that's why we have inflation. The way we're going to stop inflation is to to change that, to make sure that the dollars are matching goods and services and demands. And, and there's people who are going to argue with me about that. I'm not an economist, and it's okay to argue with me. You might be right, but I can tell you that if you go back in time and you take away the politics out of what was going on in the uh, 1980s when we had rising interest rates and rising inflation rates and then rising unemployment, um, people seem to agree that a big part of the problem uh, was that. And we're way beyond that now with our spending. Um, how's it affecting you? 888-528-2557 is the number. Daniel from Calabasas. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm just burning my money to try to uh, get the money out of the economy to bring inflation oh, man, down. I'm burning mine also. You know, I just overheard about you talking about getting a Tesla. And I'm actually uh, putting in gas every three days. Mm. And uh, I'm filling up $140 worth of gas. Each time, every three days. Yeah, because I'm like out on the field. I'm a nurse. So I visit my patients uh, all over the San Fernando Valley, all the way down to Los Angeles, up to uh, Chatsworth, and uh, going all the way down to Moore Park in Santa Rosa Valley. So the problem with this is that, of course, like uh, I think that maybe if you would have an electric car, uh, it would probably save you a little bit more in the long run. You know, it depends on how much, uh, how far you're traveling. Yeah. And, you know, that was very funny how you said, yeah, you know, I just got out of the mall and then I forgot to pick up a Tesla. Of course, right. you can't even pick up a Tesla right now. The prices right now, I think, are like almost at 120 or 125,000 out the right. door. Yes. And uh... I actually went with my wife about three weeks ago to look at, uh, an electric car, 
It's a new one. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it called the Ford Mustang Mach E version. Yeah, I know that uh, Ford's got uh, one, yeah. and they got an F one fifty coming out pretty soon. Electric. Yeah, so the most expensive one out there right now is like about at uh, sixty thousand. So it is more affordable than a Tesla. Yeah, there are others, but can it go? The like you you do what? How many miles a day do you drive? I drive a day. I've calculated that it's kind of like uh, at two hundred, almost two fifty. You know. Okay, so 250 miles a day. There aren't many vehicles that I'm aware of. Maybe I'm wrong now, but I I think only the Tesla, maybe one of these others, can do that much every day without charging it. Yeah, I mean, I because I was looking at the Ford Mustang, okay, and I do want to trade in my. I have a BMW X6. You know, it's a V6 engine, so I was planning on getting the V8. I didn't know how much I was going to travel, and that was going right. to burn more gas. Yeah, but now that I have the V6, and with the gas prices all rocket high, I used to fill up the tank at $80. And now every week it's just going up a little higher, higher. It's getting to like past the $7 per gallon because I'm at 91 of the premium gasoline. Yeah. And the Ford Mustang with the extended battery life will get you to, uh, with one charge at 300 and. I think about 52 miles. So that would be good for me all day. And then as soon as I come back or I can go to the charging station and, you know, charge it. They have some areas that you can charge it for free if you don't charge it at home. How much, uh, how much money do you spend on gas every month right now? Uh, Well, I don't know if it's by monthly, but I really can figure out that if I extrapolate that, it would be about $13,000 in a year. All right, so you're spending a little over $1,000 a month in gas. That's about uh, what yeah, I was expecting. So that's what it is, yeah. Do you pay that or does your company pay that? No, I pay that out of my pocket. Yeah, okay. All right, that's uh, that might be worth the electric car to you uh, to check it out. Thank you for your call, Daniel. Appreciate it. 888-528-2557. And uh, is the number if you want to join our conversation on Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. JT from Hermosa Beach, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how you doing, Scott? I'm doing fine, JT. You know, um, it's really sad that we're living in an era where we don't know, uh, you know, the economic policies of, let's say, Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy, uh, for example, in the uh, after World War II, but... It was so different back then because we didn't have the massive debt problems that we have now. You know, we don't talk about these things yeah. because we're, we're we're so used now to mediocrity, to the idea of homeless encampments in the streets. But let me just say to you that after World War II, if you'd have, when the war ended, you'd gone in there in the 40s or 50s or 60s, going into the 70s, and you'd seen homeless encampments in the streets, it would have stunned people, literally. It was like when yeah. President Kennedy was murdered and people were stunned. You see, people have lost the ability to be shocked about things because they get cynical and jaded, as Dr. David Jeremiah points out, apathetic, complacent, and they accept these things. And so we can blame our leaders, and I think we have some of the worst leaders of all time that have been running us over the last generation. But I can think of some ones now if you brought back Hubert Humphrey or Barry Goldwater, who were friends, or John Kennedy or Truman or Eisenhower, Everett Dirksen or, you know, or others that nobody would remember. They would never have allowed things to get this far, even though they weren't perfect. It's just pathetic, the massive debt problems, the border issues, 
Um, I mean, when I was a kid, nobody ever would have thought that we would be so, everything would just be totally chaos. Like it'd be out of an episode of The Twilight Zone or Blade Runner or, or um, Clockwork <laughs> Orange or, you know, one of these films. If you know what I'm saying, they yeah. talked about these kinds of things. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. Why do you think? And, why do you think we're not? Why do you think we're not as shocked by it? Uh, you know, when in the Great Depression happened, which was terrible, and I think it's important to talk about the history of this. In a way, we want to talk about the history so that we don't lose hope, because there have been hard economic times, and we have been experiencing. Um, with the debt in the background and other things in the background, which are terrible, but we have been experiencing now for 40 or 50 years, 40 years, maybe 35 years, the greatest economic period for most people as far as comfort and being taken care of. Um, when the Great Depression happened, people were shocked by how many people had lost their homes and people were living in shacks and like tent cities and like we're, we're talking about today, that kind of homelessness, the homeless encampments. And they blamed President Hoover. They called him Hoovervilles. Uh, that's what they did. Why do you think we're not shocked anymore? I think we have become cynical and jaded and beaten down. I think we've been through, uh, uh, over the last 60 years, almost a, a series of events, a number of assassinations and attempted assassinations that jolted the society, wars, mm. including ones that we shouldn't have been in, okay? Right. Uh, you know, Chuck yep. Norris, his brother, was killed in Vietnam, and he said we shouldn't have been there. And Barry Goldwater later changed his mind and said we shouldn't have been there, and Kennedy decided to pull out of there. He said, I should have listened to Eisenhower and General Douglas MacArthur and de Gaulle. I think there's been also uh, Watergate. There was Iran-Contra. I think that there's been a, a map. I think we've – it's sort of like this, this thing, you know, where if you boil something long enough, you know, they, people just get, they get used to it. And I think that we've become complacent, and I think people have become selfish. Uh, Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And that, that's been turned on its head. And back in right. those days, he had sleeping tax cuts in which the marginal tax rates were cut 30% over two years and corporate tax rates were reduced. And he balanced his budgets, and he also signed an executive order to bypass the Federal Reserve and put uh, debt-free dollars in circulation like some other presidents who preceded him. And um, nobody talks about these things, and that's the reason. It's You know what it's like? It's like people who have got serious um, issues going back to their childhood, and they won't deal with them. So they engage, instead of going through counseling and maybe looking at scriptural verses about anger and so on, they go the usual route, which is to self-destruct, drugs, alcohol. And this is where we're going. And then when Dr. Jeremiah and some of the people on this air talk about the rapture and the end times, people say, oh, I don't believe that. Well, I think it's going to happen. I think that's positive stuff, though, It's because it's prophesized, but... They're all at the same time. When I hear Dr. Jared Jeremiah, he's saying that we shouldn't just become complacent. We should speak out, but there's a balanced approach to all of this. But I think you have a lot of people that are that are just you know um, you know cynical and jaded and blasé. And I think maybe it's because they're beaten down by life. Maybe it's personal things they've been through. You know, maybe. hardships. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting maybe, um, an interesting way to look at it. Well, but that's an interesting I way to look at it, other, uh, JT. Yeah, I think maybe you have something there, the idea that we won't go back and look at root causes of where we are. Maybe that's that's just too painful. I got to go on to other calls, but I appreciate your call, JT. You know, I'm going to I'm going to think about that a little bit because I think, you know, you do when you have a lot of things going on in your life, sometimes it's helpful. You don't want to dwell in the past, right? You want to make changes and move forward. That's really important. But the past informs you for how you got there. 
right? I've done a lot of debt counseling, for example, and one of the things you've got to do when you're counseling people with debt is you have to not just pay off the debt. You have to look at why you got into bad debt in the first place, and you have to change the habit. So I always counsel people to not just pay off your debt, but also start giving charitably. Also start saving money. Do those two things together with pay off your debt so that you're developing new habits because the statistic is that once people pay off all their debt, the statistic is they get right back into it. And it's because they don't look behind at how they got there and uh, they get in trouble. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Farrow, your host. Good to be with you. We're talking about uh, the inflation, electric cars, things of that nature. Eric from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Well, thank you very much. I was watching a video on YouTube from the fast lane truck and they bought a brand new Ford F-150 Lightning in southern Indiana, I believe it was. They had a 1,200-mile road trip. They took it to Colorado Springs, I believe is where they're from. And Mm -hmm. if they would have had to pay at the pump the whole time at the charger, excuse me, they would have paid $200 in electricity for that truck. If they had gotten a diesel and it got the standard EPA rating, they would have paid $300. So if you think your electricity is free, it's not. It's two-thirds what your gasoline price is, and the price of uh, electricity is going to go up. You're not going to have any savings at all. Yeah, Eric, thank you for your call and and that information. You know, we were – I looked that up because I wanted to know. It's like, well, if I buy an electric car – you know, or if I were to get into that, you know, how much am I really saving? Because electricity is not free and you got to charge it all the time. Uh, how much is it going to be according to, and this is an article that is really pushing you to go get an electric car because it's talking about the, um, that it, it's ultimately going to say that it's cheaper overall. But here's what it says when you read the fine print, uh, which is cheaper overall, a gas vehicle or a uh, electric vehicle. U.S. Department of Energy report shows that after 15 years, electric cars generally cost less than similar gas-only models. After 15 years, it says when you factor in the price, maintenance, financing, repairs, federal tax break, and fuel costs. But then it says uh, right after that that based on the average lifespan of a car, this is according to Car and Driver, okay, Car and Driver, okay, according to Car and Driver, based on the average lifespan of a car, 200,000 miles, is that the average lifespan of a car, 200,000 miles? And do you personally own it for the whole 2,000? I do. The last new car I bought, I drove it till about 239,000 miles. Actually, it's not the last one I bought. We've gotten into this place now where we just pay cash for the car, and if it's a junker, it's a junker. We're just not going to have a car payment. Uh, and it's wonderful, by the way, if you can do it. But we paid for this car, and I did. I drove it 200 and I think almost 240,000 miles. But the other one I sold around 100,000 miles, I think. Anyway, the average lifespan of a car, according to Car and Driver, the cost of a gas-fueled car would be $94,540, I guess including the average cost of a gas-fueled car, while the similar electric vehicle would be 90160 for a difference of $4,380 over 200,000 miles. You know, I guess that's cheaper, but that doesn't sound like a really good investment. Right. When you're when you're thinking about how do I invest and how do I get return of income, you're usually not thinking about 20 years. You're usually not thinking about, you know, or 15 years. How long does it take you to get 100,000 miles? I guess if you drive 200,000 miles, I guess if you drive a lot uh, like our caller Daniel a few minutes ago, he's going to get to 200,000 pretty fast. 
uh, because he's driving uh, 250 miles a day. Uh, so somebody else can do the math on that. But I don't know if the average person, you know, if you drive, you know, 15, 20,000 miles a year, it's going to take you a while. Well, 20,000 years, I can do that math. It's going to take you 10 years. So uh, 10 years, you save $5,000. I don't know that that's very compelling. Um, what about environmentally? Is there a, an environmental responsibility? What is the the environmental part of the conversation of electric cars that we're not talking about. We can get to that when we get back from the break. We'll talk about uh, electric cars and whether or not you should get one. And uh, I'd love to know what you think about these kinds of things. The number is 888-528-2557. And of course, we're Christian show, you know, should this be, you know, when it comes to the environment where, you know, what are the things that we can actually do? You know, there's a lot of environmental uh, you know, they call it environmental alarm alarmism now, right, where the world's going to end tomorrow, which to me says, well, I guess I can't do anything about it. Uh, or the world's going to end in 12 years, and, and you know, or if we don't act today, we and we're going to, if we wait five more years or however long, then it's going to be too late. Uh, I don't think that's very persuasive to a lot of people because it just sounds like, well, if you're right, then we've already blown it. And if you're wrong, then I shouldn't be listening to you. What are the things, though, that are for real? that we could do environmentally. Does that make any sense? Does buying an electric car help? Um, or are there other environmental concerns? One of them being the generation of, of electricity. It's such a great point is that you're not saving your, your bill. Your energy bill doesn't go to zero because you're not play, paying for for gasoline. You're going to pay for more electricity. That's the way it goes. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a minute for your calls. Stay tuned. President Biden has made a very significant commitment for the United States to be, first of all, power sector carbon free by 2035, by 2035 to only be producing electric vehicles in the United States, which General Motors and Ford and others manufacturers have bought into. And they're now spending hundreds of millions of dollars to retool their plants in order to uh, produce those vehicles. That was uh, climate czar John Kerry talking about President Biden's initiatives to have only electric cars, among other things, by 2035. If you want to be, uh, you know, interested just for a minute, 2035 is not that far away. It's what, 13 years away, less than that, 13 years. Uh, That is incredible. 13 years. So in 13 years, according to the Biden administration, we will only have electric cars available. I suppose that means that that they would have to be more affordable because right now most people can't. That's one of the issues with pushing electric cars and the gas prices is you can't afford the gas, but you can't afford the car to replace the gas guzzler that you have. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Glad to be with you today. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. Michael in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Um, You know, I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, this uh, movie that recently came out about um, the election being stolen uh, called 2000 Mules. I'm aware of that, yes. uh, um, It showed a massive network that was uh, in play of uh um people surveilling us uh, is this going to have uh, anything to do with electric cars uh, yeah, that- yes yes uh, the same um uh system of control and surveillance 
I believe is being used to set these massive uh, forest fires. All right, Michael. I don't, I don't think so, Michael. I appreciate you know, your call and your listening. I don't think that they're out there setting forest fires. Uh, I don't think so. I think forest fires are, you know, it's an issue, I suppose, with the electricity because the electric wires go down and create these fires. That happens a lot with electricity. We're going to be using more electricity if everything is uh, electric, which raises a lot of questions to me about whether or not we're going to be all able to drive electric cars in 2035. Where are the electric plants? You know, in order to do that, it's going to take a lot more energy being produced. Where is that being produced? When we in California were refusing to build new electric plants, in other states they are their electricity is already taxed. In fact, uh, many other states are already warning their people, just like we do in California, that this summer there's going to be brownouts and blackouts. How are we going to plug in all of our cars if there's already not enough electricity? Hmm, I'm curious uh, about that. It seems like that should be all a part of it. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. Irma from Temple City, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, this is Irma. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead, Irma. Yeah. Well, first of all, I I can't see how um, we would convert over to electric cars. I mean, we're already having a um, planned outage because of all the electricity in the summer months. In 13 and years. What's going to happen then? Yeah. <laughs> and and also, um, you know, when I called in, I was asking, you know, for when it was, I think it was the eighties and when the, when the smog was really an issue and they were encouraging uh-huh. carpooling, we used to have a machine in our office that used to tell us, okay, the weather, the extreme smog, smog share, you know, when, I mean, ride share when you can, you know, we don't ride share anymore. Like I'm on the road right now part, but mm-hmm. there's so many cars, which is one person in it. And it's, it's like, why don't we, get together and, and carpool, encourage that again. Yeah, you know, Irma, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you for your call, Irma. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I kept asking people, if you're carpooling, who's doing this? And uh, we only had a couple of people. Most people did not respond. And I'm, I'm real curious about that. Now, I, when I'm on the freeways, there's plenty of people in the carpool lane, and I'm always looking to see who's cheating, right? It's just something I do every time somebody passes me in the carpool lane, I'm like, you better have somebody else in there and they better have flesh and blood and not some mannequin you took from the gap uh, in there. And um, so I think some people are doing it. I looked on purpose. There's a park and ride near where I live, you know, a parking lot where if you were going to meet people and ride with them to work, that's where you would park your car. Uh, When I was a kid and I'd see the sign for park and ride, I used to think there must be a ride there, like an amusement park ride. And I couldn't figure out why my dad wouldn't take me there. Dad, I want to go to the park and ride. And there's no ride there. Anyway, um, I looked at it uh, twice. I've looked at it one day during the week. It was there was maybe twenty five percent of the spots filled. Another day, maybe thirty or forty percent. So there are some people uh, doing it, I guess. Or it's also right next to a business park. And I thought maybe some of those people park there and they just work in the building next door. I'm real curious about that. But you're right, Irma. That uh, that's you know one way to do it. The, the she mentioned the pollution in the eighties. It was worse. It's getting bad again, but uh, it was so bad uh, back in the 80s that you often couldn't see the mountains at all. You know, if you were a visitor in Los Angeles, you would say there's no mountains anywhere near the city uh, because you didn't see them. And then it would rain, and suddenly there's these amazing, beautiful mountains nearby, and you'd go, wow, it's a miracle. I went to uh, UC Riverside, and uh, back in the day, the smog was so bad out in the Inland Empire 
that behind UC Riverside is a mountain. It's got a big C on it. If you ever drive by out there in the 215 or the 60, you probably see this big C on the mountain. And UC schools have that in a few of them. And it's close enough to the school that there used to be uh, events with fraternities or other groups that would race. You could actually race up the mountain on foot and get to that sea and sit up there and kind of hike. And it just oversaw the campus. It's right behind the campus. Freshmen would come to school and not even know there's a mountain right behind the campus because it was blocked by the smog, you know, until we got a good rain or something. That's how bad it used to be. Uh, there's certainly an environmental benefit to electric cars, I think, in uh, at least less air pollution. There's other pollution that uh, you're going to get with the electric cars and, of course, the electric generation. All of it costs. There's always uh, something out there. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. Let's go to Jack in San Diego. Jack. Welcome to Southern California Live. So with electric cars, you have a problem with uh, the disposal of the batteries. Um, not everybody wants that waste, like um, nobody wants the nuclear waste. What do we do with the batteries? When they when they go bad, where do they go? Oh, that's a good question. I, I know with uh, San Onofre, they are still storing the waste on site, which is true with all the nuclear power plants. I don't know what they're going to do with millions of car batteries, and they're expensive. They replace these electric car batteries, 15000 to 30000 You have a problem with uh, charging them because Tesla has a different receptacle than the rest of the cars, so they, they need uh, different uh, charging stations. And um, I... You also have a problem, I think, with um, unreliability of the electrical grid. It really hasn't been updated or hardened. Um, there's three ways to put the grid uh, out of this uh, operation, which would be uh, electromagnetic pulse, um, a, uh, a burst, a sunburst, and also a uh, destructive cyber attack would destroy the grid. Yeah, there's a lot of questions the about the... About the grid, and uh, you're you're right about that, Jack. I appreciate that. I think that's one of the big questions as far as goals of getting everybody to electric. How are you going to generate the power? We already don't have enough power. We are already worried about the drought. You know, is affecting us because of the hydropower that is not going to be created as well in Arizona and some places because of the drought. And uh, that's where we buy a lot of our electricity in California. How are we going to all plug in our cars? That is a it's a it's a very good question. What happens to the batteries? You know, I read a, a little bit about it, and apparently you can recycle certain parts of the battery and be used elsewhere, but you can't recycle all of it. And uh, where does that go? Environmentally, what does that mean? Are we are we putting them in the ground somewhere? I'll bet we are, and probably not in this country. Probably going to ship them off to some other country. Which, uh, you know, environmentally. I'm not sure that does any good. It certainly doesn't globally, right? We all live on the same planet. Most of us, some of us live elsewhere. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. David from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How you doing? Doing great, David. What's your experience been with electric cars? So I've had three electric cars, two Nissan Leafs and one Fiat 500e. They're all lower range vehicles, about roughly 100 miles of charge. Okay. There were some uh, serious battery degradation issues. Uh, I drove both Nissan Leafs just under 60,000 miles, and they lost about 25 to 30 percent of the range over that amount of time. Mm. And then uh, we had a 
back into us in our Fiat, and they put the uh, car, when they do paint and they do bodywork, they put it in what's called an oven, and it's about 140 degrees. They put it in there for about 30 minutes or an hour to secure the paint quicker so they can turn it over quicker to the customer. Uh, that process, these lithium-ion batteries do not like heat. That's one of the reasons they fail so much quicker in Arizona and you know, the desert areas. Mm. Uh, but we lost about 15 20% range where we got our car back from that. But um, it's just too expensive to build out right now, the infrastructure for it. Um, I was involved in trying to get our apartment complex to at least take a look at it and see what it would cost. And it was going to be roughly thirty to $40,000 to put in six charging posts. Wow. Uh, you know, we've got 220 units in there, probably about 350 cars in there. So if you're looking at everybody going electric, the amount of cost to put those in, it's, it's monumental. So, it's got to be just an enormous, enormous national cost. We're talking about the Biden administration's goal is 2035 that that we will only be manufacturing in the United States electric cars. Uh, so you have not had a good experience with it, David. No, but there, you know, you can take a big parking structure, but if it's not wired, uh, with the amount of cabling and wiring to charge, you know, 500 or 1,000 cars in that structure – they're going to be tapped out. In my wife's work, they put in about a dozen spots, and that tapped out the, you know, the box there uh, without a major rewire. So uh, this is something that's uh, they're not thinking about. It's an election issue for the uh, for the left um, to pretend to be green, and really uh, they're out there flying around in their private jets just as much as the other side. All right, David. David, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. I got to go to a break here in a minute. And, uh, you know, certainly there's a lot of politics here. So how do we get through the politics? It's one thing to say, to put these goals out there, right? Okay, it's uh, until 2035. Um, In 2035, we're going to have just electric vehicles. Okay, how are you going to do that? Has there been any discussion? I'd love to know. Any real discussion in California, just building power plants, um, we can't seem to do it. It's a, it's a political issue here. And if we have a bunch of, uh, power grid failures this summer, which some people are predicting here and across the country, how are you going to argue that you're going to put in, have electric cars everywhere? And is it just political or is it, um, you know, what can we really do? That's what I, I really want us to explore that. I feel like solar power, electric power, these are things we ought to be, you know, investing in and looking at, but what's for real? Like, what actually is the benefit? What is actually possible? Do we ask those questions? We do on this show. Uh, Sometimes we get an answer. Sometimes we point out that there is no answer, which is uh, a big deal. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to make, uh, to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. And so the challenge is now that we're moving from denial to actually just trying to to disengage the public from understanding the values of solar energy, the values of wind energy, the benefits of clean energy. We have to get tighter. We have to get better at communicating. And frankly, the tech companies have to stop allowing specific individuals over and over again to spread disinformation. That's what the fossil fuel companies pay for. That's what folks who make money out of fossil fuels and don't make money and 
and, and don't care about saving consumers' costs. That's what they do. We have to be smarter than that, and we need the tech companies to really jump in. That was Gina McCarthy, President Biden's top domestic climate advisor, and uh, controversially saying that tech companies should do more to prevent the spread of inaccurate information. Disinformation is the term about climate change and clean energy. Uh, She didn't really spell out what that is. That's what I'm looking for. What's true? You know, when it comes to all of this stuff about buying electric cars, I'm I'm in favor of buying electric cars. Fine. I'm I'm fine with far as I can tell, except that you can't afford them. Like if people could afford them, if it could become normal, you normally priced, probably it would if they were in the market much better. Right. Prices will come down uh, on those. I'm assuming manufacturing costs. Uh, would come down in time with all of that, like things do. And they're, you know, when something is brand new, it costs a lot more. And once you're mass producing it, you can bring those costs down, uh, assuming you can do that. What is, in we, before the break, we were talking about the politics of electric cars and the whole electric idea. You can join our conversation by calling us at 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation. You know, that's one of the questions that I'm asking is what is the disinformation? How do I know which side is giving me disinformation? There seems to be, you know, a movement towards electric vehicles. I think for the air pollution side, that is uh, a good deal. There's a, the numbers about people who die from air pollution, pollution, it's, it's enormous, like 12,000 people a year. Is that true? That's what they say. That seems like a lot to me, but maybe that's Maybe that's about right. You know, I've been in some places, you know, where it's pretty bad. Um, And I can understand, I guess, why some of the uh, oil companies, you know, obviously they would be opposed to this kind of sort of, but a lot of their profit, we keep hearing about oil company profit. It's not all coming from gas. There's a whole lot of other stuff that that oil um, does. And are we making electric planes, electric ships, electric, you know, other vehicles, um, everywhere across the world. I feel like we're on fossil fuels for a long time, that, that just from the reality, you know, that we can't just wave a magic wand. This is the weird thing about politics is that you you can sort of wave a magic wand and say, okay, by 2035, we're going to have all electric vehicles done in the United States. Okay, so in 12 and a half years. But you can't just invent by passing a law or an executive order. You can't just create technology. You And where is the money for all of the electric plants? That's a big deal. Um, in California, we actually have uh, similar goals to the national goals like you do. Uh, in California, just last month, Governor Newsom put together a plan to mandate a steady increase in the sale of electric and zero emissions vehicles in California, uh, getting to the same Biden administration goal of uh, no gas-powered vehicles being built in the United States by 2035, just 12 and a half years from now. Uh, And under that rule, the state would require 35% of new passenger rules. This is from the New York Times. 35% of new passenger vehicles sold in California by 2026, three and a half years from now. 35% would have to be powered by batteries or hydrogen. Um, Is that possible? I'd love to know. Is that possible or is that crazy? And do we say that because, you know, by 2026, Governor Newsom, see if he gets reelected, he'll be leaving office by 2026. Okay, he'll be termed out um, if he's not president in 2024. Hello, that's possible. 
Um, people say, no, that's not possible. Don't, you know, everything's possible at this point in our country. I might be president in 2024. You never know. Uh, you might be president in 2024. One year, we, one day on the show, we asked what's too old, you know, to be president. You would not believe the number of 80 year olds who called up and said that they were too old. And I'm going, nope, I think you're the right age because Biden's going to be 80. If Trump runs again, he's going to be pushing 80. If Hillary runs again, she's pushing 80. That seems to be the rule in Washington. Anyway, how are you feeling about this? And and spiritually speaking, I think that there is a good reason for Christians to be on the page of the environment, not the sort of the alarmism that's out there, uh, not in any side of, you know, pushing in an agenda. But we we certainly have um, a reason, I think, as believers, a scriptural reason to care about the earth. All right, to tend to it. Um, Throughout the Old Testament, some of the laws and some of the comments that God makes are against polluting the land. Numbers 35, 33, you shall not pollute the land in which you live, um, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it, uh, which is a fancy way of saying uh, if you're a polluter, we're going to put you to death probably. Um, And um, you shall not defile the land in which you live in the midst of which I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. Um, The purpose of Adam and Eve in the garden was to work it and keep it, work and tending to the garden. That happened before the fall. That wasn't the result of sin, right? They weren't just running around in the garden with nothing on and, you know, and eating the the fruit all but one tree and, uh, you know, relaxing and on vacation. No, they had a job. You know, there is something to the Lord that is holy, that will likely be a part of whatever we're doing in heaven that is tending to things that we'll have a job to do, but we will do it with full joy. You know, after the fall, it became burden, right? It became curse. The The fact that we have to have jobs to survive and we're going to till the earth and it's going to have trouble and we've got all these problems. Okay, that's the fall, all right? Work itself is holy. Work itself is a good thing. Tending to the earth, caring for the environment, caring for God's creation, those things are good. They, they, I believe, will be part of eternity, and we will enjoy them. They won't be a punishment. It won't be a curse. It's a funny thing. Uh, sometimes people, when, I'm in, when I was in seminary, you kind of know when you go to seminary who's there because there's a call on their life to be uh, in professional ministry. I want to be careful because everybody is called to ministry. Okay, If you're a Christian, you are called to ministry. You are a, a minister. In fact, wherever you are, you're, you're called to ministry. Whatever you're doing, that's a ministry. Um, but, you know, if you're going to seminary, you're probably going there to get a degree so that you would work in a church-related field or nonprofit or ministry-related field as a profession, all right? You know pretty quickly who's, who's there because they haven't figured out what else to do. They graduated college somewhere and they didn't like their major and now they're lost and they thought, oh, I'll just go to seminary. You know, those people burn out in a hurry. Um, and that's good because they're going to get they're going to die in church because those are the people who come to seminary and they think they get to go to work at a church or work in a Christian environment and, uh, and be spiritual all day. I had somebody tell me that once. I was like, oh, you get to be spiritual all day. Uh, no, yes. I mean, yes, we're spiritual all day, but not the way you're saying it. It's like you're acting like I'm just going to spend my day, you know, floating on a cloud and saying, bless you, my son, or something like that. Uh, that's not how it goes. You have to work. You know, if you're a, you're a pastor, I promise you, uh, there are parts of his job that is a curse. 
all right? And uh, sometimes that person is sitting in the third pew, but sometimes it's just the fact that there is work, that there is work to do. There is work to do. Sometimes there are, in fact, there is. That's the hardest part, I think, of that you've got to understand if you're going to have a ministry job is there's work. You know, we have work to do. And I think something that's positive for us as we think about these things, and we'll have more time to talk about this. I'm real interested in what are the things that we can actually do as a society that's good for the environment, regardless of what you think about climate change or the policies and on all of that. Uh, you know, what can we actually do now? Is electric vehicles by 2035, is it possible? Is it really helping the environment or is it just shifting one pollution to another kind of pollution? You know, okay, the air will be cleaner like that. Um, but if we're polluting the ground and groundwater because we've got to bury the batteries or do something with the parts or we're going to send – we're going to send whatever's toxic to some other country and pollute their groundwater or whatever. You know, to me, you know, spiritually, you know, I don't think God is interested in, in just us preserving our own land. Uh, I think all of it, the earth we should care about. What about recycling? A lot of, you know, these recycling rules that are going to be on us, separate your food and separate all this stuff. I don't think that's bad because I think it's something we can actually do. I'm not sure it's going to save the planet and it's going to take a lot of your time, but it's going to be something that's doable. Do you understand what I'm saying is that we're not talking about some arbitrary goal. Hey, let's have all electric cars by a certain year, but let's not build any power plants. That makes no sense, right? That doesn't make any sense at all. You're going to have to build power plants and they're going to pollute somehow. There's going to be some kind of carbon footprint if you're interested in that. And uh, does that carbon footprint really replace the carbon? You're, you know, there's so many questions. I don't think we're hearing that. I think we have a responsibility as, as citizens to ask that question. And as Christians, you know, we should we should be looking at the earth and going, how can I how can I do better? Uh, I think recycling is one of those ways. I think maybe electric cars, electric power production, um, we should do that. But we should not be naive to the fact that there are other environmental concerns with all of that. And we should be talking about what's reality. I guess I'll just leave you with that as we got to go here in just a few seconds. Reality is persistent, my friends. It will always get you. Somebody said once, and I don't know who said it first, but I like it, baseball reference. They said, reality bats last. That at the end of the day, all of these things that we're talking about, reality comes to the plate last, and reality always wins. This is the truth. Reality always wins. It's true about uh, about inflation. It's true about economics. It's true about uh, car pollution. It's true about energy production. And it's also true, my friends, about spiritual things. Just the same way as it's true, there is there is some kind of truth out there about what's the best way to proceed for the environment. There's also truth about the best way to proceed for you spiritually. And that person is Jesus Christ, who you should know. He's the truth, the way, and the life. I hope you know Jesus. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow every day, 3 to 5. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.